Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. issue. Should there be an age limit to running for president? No, but there should be a competency. Uh, I, I'm all for the test. You know, I took a test two years ago, three years ago, and as the doctors said, and it was in front of doctors and a whole big deal at Walter Reed, which is an incredible place, and I aced it. I got everything right. Um, I'm all for testing. I, I frankly think testing would be a good thing. A lot of people say it's not constitutional to do it, but I would be for uh, uh, testing to test that make sure everyone's just fine but a lot of people say that can't happen now you can get people to say well yeah the competency tests might be something you need but you need it because a person's older so here's Donald Trump in the interview with Kristen Welker now who has taken over Meet the Press on NBC saying that Biden isn't too old when, of course, the incompetence comes from the age. Well, one could argue maybe with Biden, it's been there longer. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Um, Trump has had two interviews, one with Megyn Kelly, one with uh, Kristen Welker. And I don't think the man did himself any good at all. I argue the man did himself a fair amount of damage. And I am keeping my eyes completely and totally transfixed. Is that the word? Transfixed? Transfixed? I don't know. Everything's trans today. Um, uh, on, On evangelicals in Iowa. I want to know what it is that evangelicals in Iowa are going to do with a guy who is now not just saying things like, um, you know, uh, Biden's not necessarily too old, but we should have competency tests, but who will say this. Can a man become a woman? Um... (laughs) In my opinion, you have a man, you have a woman. I, I, I think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no. Although they'll come up with some. That you can't answer that question in a heartbeat. No, of course not. You have to think about that for a second. Can we please discuss that this doesn't look good because it doesn't look good? And for everyone telling me, oh, Tony, you're just a Trump hater. I see what I see. Why can't you see the same thing? He had to question himself on whether or not a man can be a woman. This is what happened. 
Can a man become a woman? Um. Um. I'm watching evangelicals in Iowa. I want to know how they are going to deal with this. Because if you're asking me, they have just given some great, great gas, some great opportunity, some fuel to DeSantis, to Pence, to Scott, and to Haley. And Scott and Pence specifically fighting over that evangelical class. And now they have something to look at those evangelicals with and go, seriously? Oh, we haven't even gotten to Trump on abortion. Two interviews. It didn't go well. And for the people who say, how dare you notice? (laughs) You sound like the left. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. West Texas Intermediate is at $91.31 a barrel. Brent crude is at $94.33 a barrel. Guys, it's not that we're smarter. It's just that we pay more attention. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Start looking at your gas prices and start taking a look at what's going to be happening with heating oil. Oh, coming this winter. This actually ties into a tweet that I saw. Where Where is it about interest rates? No, I've got, I've got it. I know I do. Um, it was, here it is. Here it is. It was from uh, Lambert. Uh, it is from a guy by the name of Lance Lambert, who is the real estate editor for Fortune Magazine. We've had him on the show before. Morningstar. Not Lucifer Morningstar, just Morningstar. They uh, do investment research. They put out a piece about where interest rates are going to go. And they're, in in part, they, they write, uh, we expect the average mortgage rate to decline to 4%. And you're like, oh, mortgage rates at 4%. That's kind of fantastic. By 2025, that is less fantastic. And they write, the Fed has engineered a massive increase in interest rates in order to combat high inflation. We expect it to cut the federal funds rate aggressively in the coming years, driving the rate down from 5% currently to below 2% by 2025. Long-term interest rates have already declined from their peak, but still have further to fall in our view. Then they start talking about how treasuries are going to fall and uh, their long-term expectations that it'll be 2.75% on a 10-year treasury by 2027. Now, I'm going to start getting into a bunch of numbers. What does it mean? I'll actually share uh, the, 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 the post. They, they write that once the Fed wins the battle against inflation, its priority will shift to jump-starting economic growth, which will require much lower interest rates in our view. While the path of interest rates over the next couple of years is mainly contingent on status of the economy, our long-term interest rate projections are driven by secular trends. 
aging demographics, slowing productivity growth, growth, increasing inequality, they write, have acted to push down real interest rates for decades, and these forces haven't gone away. The point that, that uh, Lance makes, Lance Lambert, over at Fortune is making here is that in order for, for interest rates to get lowered, the economy has got to make a possibly very ugly turn south. That all the arguments this organization is making, this Morningstar group, is all predicated on the idea that the economy isn't doing its job, it doesn't recover in 2025, and it does something to the bed that normally your one-and-a-half-year-old does because, you know, <laughs> that's what they do. I wanted to, I, I, I rarely do I just read something verbatim because that's not actually good radio. It's actually pretty bad radio. But I, it, I had to, I, there was no other way for me to say the words. I had to explain it. That he's putting out there this this missive that says, oh man, the future does not look good. I took a look at that and immediately looked at oil prices. And so, not, neither does the short-term future. I don't know how many times we have to go over this and how many times we have to be lied to by the administration and others. This economy is not in a good place. These numbers don't provide us any value whatsoever. This is a bad spot. Where you are politically is remarkably inconsequential to me. The facts are what they are. And even I, who have asked the question of why is it that I'm, I'm reading these numbers, going over what's going on in the economy, and then I'll look at them all and be like, oh, look how busy it is. I have answered that question with over a trillion dollars in credit card debt. There is over one trillion dollars in credit card debt. That is debt you, me, and we have on our cards at any one time. And I I will admit to you, full disclosure, uh, I have no credit card debt. I, I have no credit card debt at all because... I had lost everything and promised um, when, uh, when, when we did get a credit card again, I would pay it off at the end of every month. I sometimes pay it off multiple times in a month because I'm just freaked out. Oh, it turns out credit card companies don't like that at all. It, it completely messes them up. I don't care. I, 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 I can't have anything on the books. I lose my mind. But you take a look at a trillion dollars in credit card debt, part of what COVID had allegedly done was allow people to pay down debt because, well, they weren't spending on this, they weren't spending on that, they weren't spending on the other. And you're like, wait a second, that could be an interesting kind of silver lining for a personal economy that people would have less debt and they would be able to get out of this in a much stronger way. Nope, they just delayed gratification. Wait till people stop paying on that debt. And wait till that moves into housing. As we discussed a few weeks ago, the people over at Zillow are now offering mortgages with 1% down. 1%.
And add to all of this what's going on with United Auto Workers. No deal yet in the United Auto Workers strike. We're talking about Stellantis, GM, and Ford. All three is where you the UAW has gone after. They did not have a, a blanket strike. They selected plants and said, you're on strike. As a way of drip, drip, dripping this out. Now, today, I assume that other plants will go on strike. Today or tomorrow. That we'll see other plants go on strike. They're not just going to strike with three plants and 13,000 workers. They didn't get what they wanted. Stellantis has offered a rate, uh, a pay raise of 21% over the course of the contract, an immediate 10% pay increase. The end of wage tiers for some workers. So that puts Stellantis basically in line with the proposal that Ford and General Motors made, and they would also be, you know, they continue uh, to offer profit sharing to workers, etc. There's nothing that shows that the UAW is going to take a deal at 21%. They've been looking, they had started by looking for 40% pay increases, and then um, they went to 36%. I think they're looking to settle at 30, they're still 10% off. But that's only part of it because the retirement benefits, I think, are where the real story is. That's where the down and dirty is. That's what they're looking for. The strike does not help the economy because the strike will be strategic in the plants that are closed. And you'll certainly see this in the next round where these are going to be plants that deal with a lot of goods that come in from other manufacturers. Other American companies that provide uh, a a little uh, cylinder of plastic or a little engine part or whatever that now, well, there's no business because the plants are closed. And that's going to put more pressure on the big three to try and get a deal done. That's what's coming. Guys, I don't want to start a Monday like this. I should have just started with Colts win, which uh, they did. uh, Uncle Rico doing his job. But the numbers don't lie. The Biden administration does. Matt Barris, traffic. The Colts 31, the Texans 20. And yes, Richardson, after two touchdowns, both rushing, with the concussion, oh, there's going to be a lot of talk about whether or not we understand exactly how to protect the quarterback. Or whether or not how a quarterback understands how to protect themselves. Right? Because that's a part of of the conversation. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Richardson was 6 for 10 for 56 yards. That is not a bad way to get started. I mean, he didn't get through the first quarter. Wait, he didn't get through the first quarter, did he, Jonathan? I think the injury came like right at the start of the second quarter. Okay. All right. I couldn't couldn't recall. Uh, Gardner Minshew... 19 for 23, 171 yards and a touchdown. Sorry, um, that's quite all right. Now, this means you're going to have to have uh, more reliance on your defense with Gardner uh, in there because he can't do some of the mobility things that Anthony Richardson can do, but he has more experience, so you can argue that he is a more precise passer. But everybody is ignoring the fact that Zach Moss ran for 88 yards. Zach Moss is back. Thrilled to see it. I didn't see any Jake Funk. I was angry about it. Um, This offensive line has to keep 
being a, it, 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 it's twofold. The protection for Gardner, it has to be a little more intense than that for, for Anthony Richardson. We, we see this. And you got to be able to have a running game that matters. If you're going to get 88 yards from one guy, you're at least keeping a defense honest. Well, you can't just put it all on Zach Moss. It can't be done. I mean, there's got to be a little bit of movement there. And since it's not going to be Richardson, you're going to want to have somebody back there maybe to protect a, a, a side for, for Gardner. You, a couple more running plays might be it. Might be it. But offensive defense, they did not look bad. I'm glad to see him get a win, give themselves a little bit of confidence, and onward and upward. Uh, a little bit later... In the next hour, we're going to call it 745 just because that's when I've decided to do it. Uh, it is now known that uh, Stephanie Hogsett, the wife of Joe Hogsett, the mayor of Indianapolis, has filed for divorce. I had known about this. And uh, aside from, you know, mention in the news, uh, uh, you know, from, from the news block, from the news guys, that was it. There, there was nothing else that I was going to say about Stephanie Hogsett filing for divorce until I read the statement from Joe Hogsett. And once I read the statement from Joe Hogsett, I said, oh, oh my. And this will now be our conversation. I will do this once and only once. And then I will leave it be. At least that's my hope. And my hope for Joe Hogsett is he starts figuring out what's important in his life. I have got that all coming up at 745. Tune in for that. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. So Chuck Schumer has changed the dress code in the in the Senate. He changed the dress code, uh, and now you don't have to wear a suit when you're on the Senate floor. You couldn't get John Fetterman to dress like a person. You couldn't get John Fetterman to show some respect? Obviously the answer is no. You couldn't do it. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. Um, it's not that it doesn't matter. It matters greatly. To say that it doesn't matter is what's odd. Why can't uh, Fetterman put on a suit? Why can't it be done? Why does he need to wear the hoodie everywhere he is? Tony, what does it matter? Because it matters that you respect the institution. This isn't your backyard. This isn't the gym. This isn't a hangout spot. This is work. You represent a couple million people. Show up like it matters. You know, if he wore a pair of uh, like like dress jeans and a jacket, I, I wouldn't say a word. 
maybe I have certain levels of give. Maybe if he wasn't wearing a tie, I wouldn't say a word. But he's going to wear shorts and a hoodie? Screw him. Screw the Democratic Party. Screw his family. I don't want to hear anything. Show up like it matters. Same thing with an airplane. Same thing with theater. Same thing. Just a little bit of self-respect. I don't want John Fetterman being that comfortable. I don't care that much about his comfort. If he wants to be comfortable, tell him to stay home. That's the thing to do. He can stay home. He can be totally comfortable lounging around the basement, not understanding what's happening around him. A standard. I, I am. I have been going through what I'm going to do for a night with WIBC, and it, it's it's weird. I've got a like like that week in October. I've got. Three three things I'm speaking on. I've got an event uh, Tuesday. I've got Night with WIBC Wednesday. I am speaking at the Bartholomew County GOP. It's not a Lincoln Day dinner. I don't know what they 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 call it. Is it's like it's like a Reagan roundup. It's Lincoln or it's Reagan people. These are your uh, are are your options. And I'm and I'm speaking there. There in Bartholomew County. So I'm looking forward uh, to, to, to that. But I had a plan for a night with WIBC, presented by Relay Indiana. Uh, thrilled with them. So glad that this is happening once again. And uh, I will see you all uh, there. The thing is, of course, sold out because it's always uh, sold out. And I was going to do, and I discussed this with Matt Bear, I was going to do this thing based on the show, The Bear. Yeah, have you seen? I don't know if you've seen it or, or not. Uh, it's not about a restaurant. It's 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 much it's much more in depth, I think, than than that. And I literally was going to smoke a couple of briskets. I was going to bring them, and I was going to make brisket tacos for everybody in attendance. This was my original plan. That everybody would get a brisket taco. And Matt Bear, as you know. Crazy about brisket tacos. Oh, mercy, eating one now. Right. Yeah. Loves, loves a good brisket. This was the plan. Because I said, guess what I'm going to do? And he actually guessed. He's like, you're going to make a brisket. I was like, totally going to do that. Telling you to do that. Um, What I have come to figure out as I've been planning this, logistical nightmare. Logistical nightmare in trying to create like 350 uh, uh, tacos on stage. Sometimes you have to know. I'm like, all right, I'm not doing that. And I cut it. I'm like, it's out. I cut it out. And I was like, what What am I going to do? Um, I don't know yet. I don't know because when you go to a night with WIBC, Matt Bear, it's supposed to be, it shouldn't be entertaining. It's a show. And, it's theater. Right. Right. But theater can also have like, like, like a heavier side or maybe a dark side, maybe a gallows humor. Kind of thing, an insidious side. Well, this isn't Miss Saigon or anything. It's you know, it's 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 a fun-loving show where you know we get very non-PC, right? Wait, That's- are you telling me that Miss Saigon isn't fun-loving? 
not the ending. <laughs> I mean, huh. not the whole show. No, I, I'm sorry to break the news. It's it's very tragic. Next thing you're gonna tell me, Diary of Anne Frank is a downer. <laughs> okay, you said it. <laughs> so I, I've, I've, I'm I'm working on a new uh, strategy and a, and a new plan. Um, but I promise you, I won't be dressed like John freaking Fetterman. Respect the audience. Respect the people you work for. My God. 